Hello, welcome to Free Will, Science, and Religion. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with George Ortega and Jamie Soden. And today we're going to talk a little bit about how the laws of nature control everything. And this is um, a, a way, another way of understanding that we don't have a free will because we're not in control of the laws of nature or the way reality works and our brains and our decision-making process is controlled by the laws of nature. It's controlled by cause and effect. It's controlled by law of conservation of mass energy and all these weird things like that. Um, and so, like, I get, I kind of get the idea behind this, but I'm not sure how we could communicate this. So, George, how do you think that this particular thing may be more effective than our previous approaches? Well, yeah, the, the standard refutation of free will involves the law of cause and effect, you know, causality. And it certainly refutes free will, um, but a lot of people say, claim, you know, a lot of scientists even, that not, not everything is governed by the law of cause and effect. Now, of course, as, as we've explained in show after show, that's no defense for free will, because if you're saying that some things aren't caused and you apply that to a decision, then the best you can come up with is that the decision isn't caused, meaning that it can't be caused by free will. So, but, but the thing with using causality is it confuses people, you know, because again, they'll, they'll, they'll refer to randomness and probability and all this stuff, quantum mechanics. But the, the benefit of refuting free will with the laws of nature is that there is universal agreement among scientists. I don't think there's anybody claiming that the laws of nature don't control everything. You know, every, the scientists, like, have consensus, you know, that first there are laws of nature, and two, they control everything that happens. So, I mean, so, like, you know, the idea behind it is that there's no way to get around that. You can't claim, in other words, like, if you claim indeterminism, well, that would be a law of nature, you know. So, that, so then causality and a causality are laws of nature, and they control everything as laws of nature. So it doesn't matter which it is. So again, it's, it's a way of simplifying the refutation and moving it away from this confusing notion for too many people that if you, if you somehow eliminate cause and effect um, or if you, you, know, if you, you know, champion randomness, somehow that'll give you free will. It just really simplifies the whole matter. So, George, basically, even if this sort of randomness or a-causality existed, that would be a law of nature in and of itself, wouldn't it? Exactly. That's the point. I mean, like, and you can't escape that. You know, any kind of, like, a mechanism, like, let's say somebody said, well, this is how free will works, and it's not understood yet, but this is the mechanism. Well, all we have to do is, okay, well, that is a law of nature. In other words, if that works, you know, all the time, it's a law of nature. And so I guess like it's not, you know, it's actually controlling what people are saying is freely will. Yeah, that's that's what's interesting about it, because like a law of nature is basically in a way like this is a part of the universe. This is a way things happen. 
And humans don't choose that. So, and the, yeah, the main point is randomness is certainly never, never has been a defense for free will. People think it is, but it's not because the human, it's not being caused by a human, not being caused by a human free will if an a-causal event happens. Um, but yeah, the, the main point is that there's just no way that we can be the author or decider of how nature works, how the universe works. That's it exactly. And, you know, it just couldn't be more and more simple. Again, the, uh, yeah, even like with the unconscious, I mean, there's like about six definitions of the unconscious. There's 20 definitions of consciousness. So this is another way of refuting free will that, I mean, we understand how parts of our brain, we could explain this logically, how parts of, a, of our brain that we're not even aware of are actually making decisions for us. But unfortunately for too many people, it's, that's too advanced. That's too complicated for them to be able to understand. So, you know, all we have to say is, hey, you know, you, we ask anybody, like, you know, do the laws of nature control everything? Okay, and if they say yes, then, then we say to them, well, if they control everything, then human beings control nothing. And so, like, if, if they say, no, the laws of nature don't control everything, then we just have to refer them to a, to a science book. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one, because there are going to be some people who say, well, laws of nature don't control everything. I mean, I'd like to ask them, oh, what's an example of something that the laws of nature don't control? <laughs> Actually, interestingly, we had a, a meetup yesterday in Manhattan, and, and we were talking about this because I brought up the, uh, the uh, refutation. And one person said, well, they don't control thoughts and concepts and, you know, what's referred to by some as spiritual. But then I asked them, like, well, you know, what's the mechanism by which these things escape or evade control by the laws of nature? And that's where, the, you know, the person just couldn't answer that. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, first of all, I would have to say that any thought, any concept that we have, at least I know my experience is, it's always based on something I've seen in reality somewhere. You know, even everything in cartoons and video games, even the most wild stuff, is still based off of something that already exists in the real world, where the, the artist got the idea for that. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, and so that what's interesting about it is that, yeah, I actually, like, I'm not sure what, what it is that people believe sometimes, because sometimes when we start talking about, like, thoughts and concepts and what people are thinking in their head, there's not words for it. Um, it or it's indescribable. And so then it ends up being like a conversation stopper, because... They believe some weird thing that we'll never understand, and it's, I don't know. You know, of course, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that this Laws of Nature thing will will help some people understand that free will is an illusion, but at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that a lot of people will just say, oh, well, my thoughts and decisions are outside of the Laws of Nature, so... They may dismiss it that way. Right, but again, like, if, 
you know, if the scientific consensus is that the laws of nature control the universe, then any claim that, you know, our thoughts and decisions are outside of these laws would have to be claiming that our thoughts and decisions are outside of the laws of nature. Mm -hmm. So that's a tough, that's a tough statement to defend. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that, that, that there are law, our thoughts and decisions are outside of the universe. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one, too, because there will be some people that will say that, too, because, like, I know there's there are people that say, well, God is outside of the universe. <laughs> and I know that stuff like that um, doesn't, you probably don't like that very much, George, but there are people who say that. No, and that's true, actually. That, that, that tends to be, you know, I'm not sure if that um, statement is biblical, you know, this idea of like a, a God that transcends the world that like is not part of the world. Because I mean, to me, it's a, it's like it's somewhat like um, contradictory, you know, because like I think the same people might say, well, God is everything. So, you know, how does that work? How, how is God not part of the universe and God still be everything? Yeah, th there's a contradiction there, and I'm quite sure it's not biblical, just like most of Christian theology is not biblical anyway. <laughs> uh, Chan, Trick Slattery wants to join the podcast. Let's see. Um, oh, yeah, he's online. I'll try adding him and see if that works. I'm sure he'll add a different perspective to this topic if he can join us. Hey, Trick, are you there? Hey, how's it going? Hey, yeah, we're, we're about 10 minutes into a podcast, and we're talking about how the laws of nature control everything, and how human decision-making would be subject to the laws of nature, and we're not in control of nature. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, Trick, I mean, this, this just dawned on me a couple of weeks ago or so. I mean, think about it. We've, we've spent years, you know, trying to, like, explain to people that, well, cause and effect make free will impossible. And then, right. so, like, you know, some people say, no, not everything is caused. And even though we try to explain to them, well, that doesn't help free will either, um, this causal determinism, indeterminism, causal, causality, acausality um, dichotomy, it, I think it confuses a lot of people. Whereas the, the benefit of, of relying on this, this statement that because the laws of nature control everything, we human beings control nothing, it seems like much more simple, you, you, you know, I don't think any serious scientist, uh, unlike with quantum mechanics and a causality, would ever deny that the laws of nature control everything. Yeah, although the, the, there's a lot of people that would say that we are part of the laws of nature and therefore we're part of the control. So then we we have we run into that problem probably. I would well, say. Wait, I, I don't. I'm not sure any serious scientist would say that. Cause, I mean, like, oh no, no, no. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, they they would say we were part of the we're part of well we're not part of the fundamental laws of nature. Is that if that's what you mean? <laughs> well, of course, yeah. The, right. You know, gravity. Yeah, the laws of motion. Yeah, yeah, the fundamental laws. But then, yeah, then people obviously contrive things by going into quantum mechanics and all that type of thing. But no, but, but trick. That's what I'm saying. So let's say they do that. You know, um, that. You know the, the quantum laws; their laws of nature also. The, right. You know, yeah. 
Right. Yeah. The, right. So so no matter what the laws of nature are, they're they're all incompatible with free will. But yeah, people don't really understand, I guess, why they're all incompatible with free will, and that's what we have the task of explaining, I guess. Right. And and I mean the, the explanation. I mean, like, if if we have let's say universal scientific consensus that the laws of nature control everything, and I, I believe that's the case, then the statement is well. Because the laws of nature control everything, we human beings control nothing. You know, it's a very, very strong logical statement. Because the laws of nature control everything, we control nothing. Um, yeah, I mean, fun, yeah, if you say fundamentally the laws of nature control everything, then, then anything that we consider we control, I guess, would be part of that. Right. So if that's what you're saying. Well, again, like because I mean, like we can't say that we're the laws of nature because like, you know, we can't be both the controller and the control. So like so. So in other words, because the laws of nature control everything, then nothing but I mean, we can ex um, expand it beyond human beings um, because the laws of nature control everything. Nothing other or aside than the laws of nature control anything. I guess that's how you do. You, we'd have to probably go into how we, how we would be defining control there. I guess because obviously people think that you know when they do things they're controlling things, but they're being controlled to control things. So so I, I mean you could you could say that that fundamentally you have no control, but I guess the, the word control probably can be used ambiguously, I guess, uh, in different contexts. Like you could say, you know, that I am controlling uh, writing something on a piece of paper, for example. Uh, but obviously the, the fundamental laws of nature control the fact that I'm controlling that. <laughs> so so you, could, you could use the word control in, in multiple ways, I guess. So, so that's what we'd have to. I, I don't know. This, I, I'm just, I'm just trying to point out what people are going to say, and then what we'd have to respond to. Basically, I, I mean, I agree with you, obviously, because I think the fundamental laws of nature are what control everything ultimately. Uh, but, but when when we use words like control and things like that, I think people will um, they'll, they'll counter it by saying, well, control can be used in, in these other ways as well. Yeah, right. I think that's that's important trick because when it comes to words like control or even consciousness or choice or or even the word freedom or free, there all these words are so ambiguous that that's where we have trouble communicating it. So I'm still not sure how to get past that either. Right. Well, so so I, so I oh I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Trick. Go ahead. So I think the word like the word ultimately control might might be a good uh, qualifier, for example. Like if we say we were ultimately controlled by the laws of nature, that kind of qualifies that anything that we say that we're in control of is really ultimately taken back to the laws of nature, basically. Well, I mean, you want we could also make the claim that just as free will is an, illo an, uh, an illusion, human control is an illusion. In other words, like we appear to control things, but because of the laws of nature control 
everything, you know, we can't, you know, by that statement control anything. Well, yeah, I would agree with that, George. I mean, that the very idea of humans being in control of something, you know, an actual author of that controller choice would be impossible, I mean, completely. So it's kind of like with the word random. Like, we might use it, like, in the sense of, like, you know, pick a card from this deck at random, and we're just using it colloquially, but, you know, most technically, you know, we would claim that there is no randomness. So, like, we might use the word, yes, the, we, we as human beings control the car, but that's, again, colloquial, whereas the, the fact is that, like, it's actually the laws of nature that are controlling us or making us control the car. Right. So, yeah, that's the problem, though, because the control word, like, I guess, how, how would you define the word control? What would you say would, would be the definition you'd be using when you say human beings have no, con no control, I guess? Okay, um, I guess one, one way is like what explains what I guess fundamentally explains why something happens. Um, two particles are moving toward each other um, because they're controlled by gravity, by the law of gravity. Right. Um, so, so, so you could say that gravity controls something, right? Yes. Okay. Then why can't you say that humans control something? Ah, because gravity, there's nothing that's controlling gravity. Whereas like we as humans are controlled by not just gravity, but every other law of nature. Well, let's say, um, how, do, how do I put this? Okay, let's say you have a river, for example, and that river is flowing, and that flow is controlling where the things, you know, the floating object will go. So, so can we say that the river controls where the floating object will go? Well, again, I think a river would be like a human being, in that, like, you know, we might control, we might be on the river, let's say, controlling a paddle boat or something. But, right. but, you know, both we and the river and the water and the flow are all controlled by the laws of nature. Right. And, and that's why I say that the, the, the qualifier is pretty much ultimate control. We don't, we don't, we don't have ultimate control. We have, we have control in, this, in the sense that of the common usage, I think, of the word control. Um, so, so if we look, go to the dictionary, the, it says control, the power to influence or direct people's behaviors or course of events. So we have the power to influence or direct behaviors or courses of events, but, but the fact that we do that is controlled ultimately by the laws of nature. And well, yeah. so, so it's, we don't have ultimate control, but we have, I guess control <laughs> I don't know. right no because trick we, we do this also like for example with, with the word choice you know when we're when we're talking colloquially we'll say oh yeah human beings choose all the time you know between coffee and tea or whatever but then like when we were in like this free will 2.0 mode we say well actually you know when you want to if you want to be technical we humans don't choose anything because the choice isn't up to us 
See, now for so, me, for me, that word as well runs into the same problem. Like, like I say, we don't have free choice, but we do have choice. Or we don't have free will, but we do have will. Or we don't have free agency, but we do have agency. So, so it's that qualifier to me that, that is what is important. We don't have the freedom to do otherwise. We don't have the free choice, but we do make choices. We make decisions between options. It's just that we couldn't have cho chosen otherwise, and, and the decisions were caused by other factors. But, but it, we make a choice, and so, so these, even that word for me is one that you'd have to qualify, I guess. Right. Let's say I've got a hand puppet, right? And I, I ask it to choose between a, you know, holding a cup or a pen, and my hand puppet, you know, chooses to hold the cup. Um, can we say that the puppet made that choice? Uh, well, I think choices you have to have consciousness for. Like, like I think, like, well, not, like you have to be able to think about like three different options, weigh the weigh the three different options, and then make a decision between the three different options, and that would be a choice, even though that choice is ultimately you know, caused and, and what we choose is ultimately caused, we're still going through a, a process of choosing. Oh, it's a, a, it's a process. So, so yeah, so if we go to the dictionary definition of choice, and it's just an act of selecting or making a decision when faced with two or more possibilities. That's what it says. But, uh, you know, that, so, it's, so it's free choice that I run into the problem with. We don't have a free choice. <laughs> so the same thing with the other word, uh, I, the control word, I think. We, we don't have ultimate control, I would well, say. Would but let's say we, because um, I'm not sure the word control is very much like choice, because like, like you're saying, choice uh, suggests, you know, various options and the, the, the process of deciding. But I'm not sure uh, control uh, requires that, that, um, that level of specificity. Um, you know, to control, uh, like for example, a, a puppet, I don't think controls anything because it is controlled by the puppeteer. Well, we could um, say, we could say, for example, let, let me, let, let's say, let's say that I hooked up a microchip to your brain. We could say that microchip controls you. So, so we, we like if if we hooked a microchip to your brain and it controlled what you did and and made you into a literal puppet from the microchip, from the microchip forced you to do things, we would say that that microchip has control over you. It controls you, even though the microchip ultimately stems from events that has control over it. All right, uh, but let's say we use that example. So under that example, even though it may seem like that human the human being has control because the human being is being controlled by the microchip we can't any longer say because we know that we can't any longer say that the human being is controlling anything right because right? we right. know and, it's control exactly but but in the in the if you could say that the microchip controls you then you could say that you control other things right no 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 i haven't finished my point is like all right Okay. If, if we, um, you know, accept the understanding that if a microchip is controlling the human being, then we can't really in any, 
you know, real sense say that the, the human being is controlling, you know, what the microchip is making the human being control. Correct. So, so in that same sense, it's kind of like with causality stretching back further. So like, because the microchip is controlled by the laws of nature, we really can't say that it's the microchip in control of the human being. It's actually the laws of nature that are in control of both the microchip and the human being. Right. And, and that brings me back to, right, ultimately, the, there's things that are controlling the microchip as well. So, so that's why I say ultimate control. But I think, if, I think people can look at, um, instead of going all the way back to, say, the Big Bang, they, they can look like five minutes before and say that, that you know, those, those events controlled the, the events that preceded them or the events that uh, were after them. All right, right so, so you're saying that like with the example of the microchip, um, are you saying we'd need to like say that the human being isn't fundamentally fundamentally in control, that we'd have to use the word fundamentally? Um, yeah, either, either, fundamentally, either fundamentally or ultimately. Those, those two words, I think, would be good qualifiers for for what we're trying to say, I guess, because because as soon as we use that control word, I guarantee you, you're going to get compatibilists that are going to be up in arms against it. <laughs> they'll be like, oh, no, we have control, you know, and, and they'll explain how, uh, how you know, it, it has nothing to do with ultimate control, and, and it just has to do with, uh, you know, the word control. You, we we can have we can have control over things. Microchips can have control over us. So there's things that can have control over other things, regardless of what controlled them. So it's just in the, in the context of the word control, I guess. Uh, it seems to me that we could almost use the idea of control to be synonymous with causing something to, to happen. Because if the microchip causes George to do something. Uh, and we say it is controlling him, well, then we could also say, well, that, yeah, that microchip was also caused to do that. And, we, and so we basically have an infinite regress, whether we're talking about causality or control, there's still, well, this controls this, which was co controlled by something else, which was controlled by something prior to that. So, right. so basically, we can use them almost interchangeably, I suppose, and still use control in a way that makes sense. Yeah, we we can we can say that ultimately we are. Uh, ultimately, what we do is is based on something that we are not con in control of. Ultimately, <laughs> so. Right, and again, and the value of, of the laws of nature is to completely sidestep the determinism indeterminism confusion. You know, because like Chandler, I, in a certain sense, I think you're right that like, for example, the the law that's governing, gra well, actually, no, I, let's question this because like. Well, when you say uh, the laws of nature, do you mean like the, the four fundamental forces? That's what you're, I, you're. No, I mean every law. I mean the, the chemical laws, the biological laws, the physical laws, you know, okay. there are laws in, in all the different disciplines. So, so like the idea is like, um, if a law of nature is, for example, like gravity, 
attracting objects, I'm not sure we have to invoke um, causality to, um, in other words, like, why is the law of nature or, or what's causing the law of nature to, con to attract objects or what's causing the law of gravity to attract objects? That's somewhat of a different question that than what's causing one event, you know, one physical event. Because, like, you know, basically to ask what's causing the law of gravity, that's asking kind of like what created it. So it's a, it's a somewhat different question that, than, you know, than we're accustomed to in terms of, like, determining the cause of each event, you know, in a, in a linear manner going backward in time. Huh. Yeah, it, it gets a little bit confusing. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that that we can get people to think about this issue anew because, yeah, um, the causality and a causality thing does get people confused because then they get into some stupid argument about quantum physics and, and whether yeah. things are caused or uncaused. The, the trouble is, yeah, I'm just not sure how effective this laws of nature thing is. I'm hoping that we can, I mean, yeah, we haven't really um, experimented with it very much to see how much people yeah. understand it. Well, well here, here's the thing. We don't really, like, like uh, at least I don't, really bring up the a causality, causality thing necessarily to people that I, I initially talk with on this topic. But if I were to say that the laws of nature control everything as soon as i say that they will probably bring up things like quantum mechanics and things like that and then that gets us into the discussion of well we have to talk about the, the types of events how, how events come about and things like that uh, whether they come out about with a cause or come about you know without one if, if that's even possible uh and so so because because that's what they're invoking when they invoke things like quantum mechanics. So we have to kind of get into that discussion. We, uh, and we can't just revert back to the laws of nature because they're going to just say, well, quantum mechanics is part of the laws of nature. And then we have to explain to them even deeper about what that means. Well, no, exactly. I mean, in other words, like, you know, they can invoke <laughs> quantum mechanics to challenge causality. But if they try to invoke quantum mechanics to challenge the laws of nature, we simply have to remind them, well, the quantum laws, the, the, the laws that govern quantum behavior are laws of nature. Right, right. But but then they're still say, well, that they allow for free will, those those laws of nature, those those quantum mechanic laws of nature. Well, no, but, they may. I'm, I'm not sure because like, you know, again, like, whereas the, um, the scientific community is somewhat split on yeah. whether you know behavior is, is fundamentally causal or a causal or a combination, you know I I think you could find you know virtually universal consensus that the laws of nature govern everything or, or control everything. Yeah, we can we can get universal consensus on that, but we don't won't get universal consensus on whether that implies that free will is a, is possible or not. Whereas no, but, I think, oh, go ahead. Just think of the logic. If if, if we if there's universal con, uh, consensus that the laws of nature control everything, 
you know, everything literally means everything. That that the the inverse or the converse, whatever, of that statement is that nothing that's not the laws of nature control anything. But but humans are part of the laws of nature, right? So so we we are a chemical process in in nature. We we're part of the laws of nature. So people uh, are no, going. Trick, no, no, we're not. For example, like um, a particle. A particle is being acted upon by the laws of nature, but we I, we can't say that a particle is any law of nature. Well, it's it's matter and energy, right? So right. So in other words, matter, the laws of nature are what control matter, matter and energy. So you're saying you're you're basically going to the laws of physics, then not really the laws of nature. The laws of physics, yeah, you have like the, the, the fundamental forces that, that bind basically all of our matter and energy. But when we just talk about nature itself, we have to conclude everything pretty much. So, Right, no, but for example, like um, in chemistry, there are laws that control chemical bonding. You know, so these, these laws are, they, they control matter they control molecules and, and chemicals and, and elements you know the, yeah the it, it all comes down pretty much to the fundamental forces and then those fundamental forces create molecules which which uh, well allows matter to basically coalesce into molecules which uh the different molecule types have you know reactions and things like that but but once those molecule types have reactions you're talking about how how matter and energy interacts not right well but trick you have to understand it it goes a level deeper or below the the four fundamental forces because for example um the law of conservation of mass energy okay right. that that's not a law that requires or is actually is enforced by any of the um four fundamental forces it actually it acts upon them right right yeah right like yeah but that, that's still a fundamental law of physics right right but again thermodynamics we, no i know but if we were to like you know just refer to chemistry you know like a uh, a hydrogen um atom cannot um you know bond with any of the other or elements whatever um you know there, there are laws governing how the chemicals bond and these laws aren't related to the four fundamental forces um they are acting upon um elements so, so well we, I would say that the fundamental forces are what create the molecular structures, which, and then once you have those molecular structures, you have basically specific structures of matter and energy that are interacting with other ones. So you have molecules be act behaving with other molecules because of their their molecular structure, their their atomic structure, basically. But that's because of the the matter and energy configuration that exists. Yeah, but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that that's they're, they're, they're directly governed by the four fundamental forces. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying the the fundamental laws of physics. So, so which includes things like thermodynamics and, and things like that as well. But 
Well, yeah, I mean, basically, we agree that the the laws of physics, you know, basically um, govern everything. In other words, that you know, we we start out with the the premise that everything is physical. So yeah, in a, in a certain sense, but but what I'm saying is like, all right, the laws of physics aren't um, aren't limited to the four fundamental forces. There there are laws of physics, laws of nature that govern the four fundamental forces and and everything that the four fundamental forces govern. Okay, I, I guess you could you could say that. Well, I don't know. We we kind of consider the four fundamental forces as part of the laws of physics but but that's because it's descriptive but but uh yeah i could see what you're saying you're like you're basically saying that something has to control those as well i guess in some sense i have a question um is there such a thing as a law of nature that's not part of the laws of physics i, I mean i i think yes for example like you know a chemical law isn't you know part of physics Per se, but naturally, it's governed by the physical laws. Right. Every everything depends. So basically, you have the you have uh, physics. Physics is kind of the fundamentals of everything else. And then, and then you have once you have like molecular structures building up, then you have interactions between molecular structures, and that's like chemical reactions and things like that. And and those are all dependent on the laws of physics. So those laws of physics are a kind of a base structure that's required. And then so you kind of right, have... All right, now here's something, here's an interesting question. So like, because I haven't really explored this much. There's the four fundamental forces like gravity that, you know, it's the law of gravity. These are laws. Um, and then there's like the law of cause and effect, right? That, that's, that's apart from these four fundamental forces. Um, then there's the law of conservation of mass energy then I think is, is, again, apart from the four fundamental forces and from the law of cause and effect. So my question is, um, how many do you think um, of these fundamental laws are there? You know, there, there may not be all that many, actually. Well, ca cause and effect is kind of like an inference made uh, via, like, physical things interacting with other physical things. It's not really. I don't. I wouldn't even. I don't know if I would consider it a law of physics. I guess a physical law. Well, but but, but trick, it's something that that we infer in science. I guess. But, trick, but if if you suggest that we're inferring causality, then I think you'd have to like um, apply that same challenge to the four fundamental forces. Like you know, you could you could make the argument. Well, you know, like the law of gravity doesn't attract you know, particle to particle, it, there just seems to be like a correlation or a causal connection. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. Um, but but some, like some physicists would say that there, is, there is, isn't really any causality. Like, they go into that whole, you know, eternalistic block conception of time thing. Uh, you know, the space-time thing of, of Einstein and suggest that, that we're, we live in a 4D block and there isn't really causality and, and, and what we describe as gravity and stuff like that is really just the, um, 
what we see moment for moment. But but I don't buy into that. And I'm not saying I do. But but I, you can apply like when it comes to physics, you can apply it in in those two different directions. So so causality isn't really um, a fundamental, I guess, for for physics. Right. Well, I mean, like to the extent that we let's say you know, gave them the benefit of the doubt on that, of just like, you know, accepted that, you know, and then challenged it, then our answer could be that, um, that something else, whatever is not quote unquote causal is what control is what's controlling whatever it is they say isn't being caused. Yeah. Well, well, if they use that one, that, then, then that's, then obviously there's no free will on that front. So, so they're just they'll just corner themselves on that on that end. So, <laughs> well, yeah, like it's kind of an interesting thing because let's say that we just go along and say, well, you're right. There's no time. There's no causality because we live in a four dimensional block universe. That means that you're not in control of anything because <laughs> it's already happened. It's already part of the block. <laughs> right. Right. So obviously, free will is does not is not compatible with that idea, but. Uh, but yeah, so but causality, I think, is something we infer. We infer through, uh, you know, striking matches. We, we strike a thousand matches, and they all, you know, most of them light. We understand that friction and all these things cause a chemical reaction when we strike the match. So we so we infer causality on that. Um, but it's not really. We don't need it. It's not a requirement, I guess, for our physics for for the fundamentals of our physics but it's required for other things like it like chemistry and things like that you know we kind of infer it so yeah um i think yeah i think it's a difficult one to communicate um especially since i don't even know what the the fundamental four fundamental forces are i i know someone's mentioned it before but i don't know physics i don't know this stuff well, there's gravity, electromagnetism, the weak nuclear force, and the strong nuclear force. And, you know, in terms of the details of what those latter two are, you know, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling I'll be watching some YouTube on that subject in the future. <laughs> with ideas like, you know, this, this is kind of like a, a logical challenge. You know, if, if we start with the, the statement, the assertion that you know, there is universal scientific consensus that the laws of nature control everything or fundamentally control everything, then, you know, it's kind of like a, um, a what is that, syllogism? It's um, a philosophical, if, you know, A, then the B and C and also like, if we start off with that premise, then logic compels that we conclude that nothing outside of the laws of nature or that are not the laws of nature can possibly control fundamentally anything. I mean, it's, it's, and again, so like, so the idea behind this is to, to sidestep the, the confusion that results when we try to use causality you know, or, you know, or a causality, whatever. It's just like, it's, it's at a level, since it, it um, since it um, subsumes both causality and a causality and every other law, 
it seems like a more fundamental proof or a refutation of free will. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 tough because you have like like you have the control word, and it's it's almost as problematic as the whole free will word in my in my opinion. So, so you know, you'll get people saying that free will is compatible with the laws of nature. You'll get people that say control is compatible with the laws of nature, even though you know you don't have fundamental control, or even though you don't have uh, you couldn't have done otherwise, or things like that. So you'll you'll get you'll get people. Um, agreeing with the one part but not with the other <laughs> so so then we have to revert back to the other conversation I think usually when that happens right well like all right so like the the the, um, the challenge would be that well yes the laws of nature control everything but my freely willed decisions are, and and everything actually let's let's not use everything the laws of nature control the universe um, and then if, if we use that statement and, and someone challenges by saying, well, my, the laws of nature do not control my freely willed decision, then in a certain sense, they're saying that, that their freely willed decision is outside of the universe. Right, right. And, yeah, right. And, and I think a lot of people, that's the other problem is a lot of people aren't necessarily a naturalist like we, I mean when we're talking with naturalists I think it, it, would, it would be good to go there but when, as soon as we tar- talk about people who believe in you know spiritual things and things like that then then obviously that this argument isn't going to hold any water for them but well, but wouldn't wouldn't a spiritualist um, concede that spirituality is part of the universe oh it, it depends if they believe in heaven and things like that then probably not <laughs> you know if they, if they believe that there's something supernatural then they can always invoke supernatural to their free will right wow. so good point yeah i would say the average christian i know would say that these places are outside of the universe whatever spiritual realms they will exist are outside of the universe because for them universe doesn't mean the same as it does you george for them universe it basically just means the observable universe or the physical universe, and they think there's a whole other universe. Right, but then, like, if we if we apply that to the freely willed decision, an assertion of a freely willed decision, what are they saying? Are they saying that their freely willed decision is being made and exists outside of the universe? There's a lot of people that believe that. They believe that they well. They'll probably invoke consciousness on that. They'll probably say that consciousness, and they're usually mind-body dualists when they do that. So they think consciousness is something that's not physical, and therefore it's outside of physics. It's outside of the natural realm, and therefore it can it can have it has the possibility of being outside of you know the, out of nature. But it but it does that doesn't exclude it from logic, and that and that's why we kind of have to get into I think. Well, at least for these people, we have to get into the whole causality thing because uh, causality, I think, applies not only to the natural world, but any supernatural realm as well. And it's at, at this moment, we has, have to ask them, do they have turkey will? <laughs> hey, turkey will. Yeah. Are, there, are their decisions processed by a bunch of turkeys who have already been slaughtered and they are in heaven and 
their decisions go to these turkeys who then decide for the humans whether or not they drink coffee or tea. Ah, okay. Well, <laughs> and anyone who hasn't heard of Turkey Well before needs to read Trick Slattery's book, <laughs> Breaking the Illusion of Free Will for the Betterment of Humankind. <laughs> I don't think I said, did I say Turkey Will in that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the conversation between those two characters in your book, um, yeah, one of the chapters had this thing about Turkey Will. And, yeah, it's like the funniest part of the book. <laughs> trick, trick, what I usually use to to challenge the notion that that our freely willed decisions are spiritual and therefore outside of the universe is is to remind people that um, however much they may claim that a decision is spiritual I think we would all have to agree that 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 decision is made in a certain moment in time, you know, like at, at, at 8.05, I might decide to, you know, to say something or to do something. And so then, you know, my argument is usually like the, the very moment that the, the um, to the extent that that decision occupies the space in time, you know, as Einstein demonstrated, um, space and time are actually one entity. And so like, so if, if time is inexorably connected to space and space is, you know, quite obviously um, part of the universe, then, then the, the claim that, that a spiritual freely willed decision could exist outside of the universe is, is you know, thereby refuted. Well, they would just say that it's outside of space-time. <laughs> so, but, but, but yeah. Trying to explain to these people that any decision we make is um, based on our memories and their experiences. So. No, but Trick, and also, like, they, I, mean, they, I don't think they could logically say that the decision is made outside of space-time because we can, like, for example, ask them to, to provide an example, like, you know, make a decision and tell us exactly when they made it. And so like, you know, I don't think they can make a claim that their decision is outside of time. Yeah, well, what, 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 I, know, I know what you're saying and I, I totally agree with you, obviously. I mean, I'm a physicalist, but, but I know what they would say and they would say, well, the hard problem of consciousness, we, we don't have everything, you know, we don't know everything when it comes to consciousness yet, therefore, there's an unknown and they'll, they'll use that unknown to their advantage and say, we just don't know if it's outside of space time or not. But, but that, well, cause I, I've, no, I've run across people that, that, that have done this. That's why I'm, I'm, that's why I'm kind of arguing this point. Cause right, I but know people, that, but I mean like that fine, they, we can argue consciousness with them, but like, I don't think that they can like, you know, um, challenge the notion that the decision that they make, you know, regardless of how we define consciousness, um, escapes time. You know, in well, other words, well, basically, they say that their their thoughts aren't aren't part of physics. They're 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 mind body dualists, which means that the mind is separate from, or, or mind physical dualists, which means the mind isn't physical. It, it's it's something other than physical. So, all right, but wait, what you're suggesting is that. Their, their, their spiritual mind 
is deciding something and then then it manifests as a physical decision right and the two are separate but like then then that invites the question of when that spiritual decision was made because i mean like i mean i'm not sure even a spiritual decision can um can escape the dictates of time you know, I think this is actually a little bit simpler than all this, um, because think of it this way. Even if um, our decisions were made spiritually by spiritual turkeys or whatever it may be, the point is all decisions are about things in the physical world. Like when George is de- trying to decide which of two books to read, those are physical books that exist that that. George is just going through a process of which he feels like reading more there. And so even if the decision was spiritual or supernatural, the deci- the the process of decision making only happened because of objects in the physical world. So it's still all based on the physical. Yeah, it's like I was saying on memories and experiences, it's still based on, you know, what we remember and how we were raised and stuff. Right, but they're just saying that there would be a, a, a non-physical mechanism as well that would be part of it. But, but I, like, obviously, that's not compatible either. I mean, you, you, even a non-physical mechanism is still a mechanism. It has to go through some process, whether that's in our, you know, time or some other uh, notion of time. It doesn't. It, it's irrelevant, basically. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, and Chandler, I guess to that claim, they could say that they are making a choice not regarding physical objects, but regarding spiritual thoughts. Like, should I think this spiritual thought or this other spiritual thought that they would both claim are not non-physical? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, yeah, all of us are in agreement here, obviously. It's just that... We're talking about a lot of things people will say to yeah. try to evade the logic. They'll try to evade the logic that shows that we don't have a free will by trying to point to some just you know claiming supernatural, which is which is a common thing, or claiming unknown or claiming quantum randomness. People do that. Like it, we see that there's some airtight logic here that shows that humans are not in control of anything. We don't have that ultimate control, as Trick Slattery would say. Um, But these people always find a way out. Now, how is it they do that? That's a great point. I think we're in agreement that, like, you know, it doesn't matter how logical we are with them. They're not going to accept it because of emotions, because of ideology. So, and, and that's our real challenge. So in a certain sense, we're kind of like sidestepping our real challenge with this. Um, so maybe if, if you guys want, maybe we can like start a new podcast that directly addresses that, you know, what do we need to communicate to people to make them feel comfortable with the fact that nothing is up to them? Yeah, we're going to have to continue that in future podcasts because yeah, we've presented so much logic and so much science and stuff, um, but it when it co- it comes to people's emotions, that's where it's always lost because they have some emotional reason they can't accept it. Yeah. So, so, so I don't I don't think people are entirely 
I'm full of emotion. I mean, I, I think emotion is their, uh, you know, a big important key. But, but what they, but when they have something that contradicts what they're saying, and they understand that contradiction, they they do have like, you know, up, they do um, have problems, and and they'll they'll try to weigh the two, and and, and eventually they might even think about the. You know the the reasoning behind the other thing, even even with the motions, because, but 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 the initial reaction is always one of, of negativity, and they'll, they'll just deny and deny and deny. But that doesn't mean that later on they won't go and actually figure out and and, and not put themselves in their um, conundrum that they put themselves in before. So so I still think that you know being logical and rational is important um, to change people's minds here it's just it's just that we have to understand that people won't change their minds immediately it's it's, it's a long-term process and they have to go through um a lot of criticism well yeah i get what you're saying trick there because their initial reaction when we're telling them this stuff is it like they'll have some emotional reaction to something and they may not get at the time but then they may be thinking about later and so they still benefit from it, even though we don't get to see them actually change most of the time. We don't we don't get to see what happens long term. Right. It's it's yeah. sort of, yeah, sort of like how, you know, at first when George commented on my videos years ago explaining that we don't have free will, I thought he was really whack. But <laughs> but you yeah. know, a couple of years later here I am. <laughs> Talking to you. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. everybody's gone through the process. I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't, I know I've had a lot of wacky beliefs when I was younger, right? So I've gone through a lot of processes to get to where I'm currently at with my beliefs. So, so I can understand how people can have wacky beliefs. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just the, a causal process that leads them to wacky beliefs and and wacky uh, th ways of thinking. So yeah, I want to see if we can like enumerate and list. The, the non-logical, you know, for the most part, barriers to people's not accepting this. And, and so one is certainly the emotions. You know, they don't, they don't like the feeling of not being in control of anything. You know, it's, it's an unpleasant feeling to, to consider that prospect. Right. I think another challenge, because I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how many of these non-logical barriers there are another one has to do with um what ideology with with you know what they're taught um or no 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 actually maybe a stronger one has to do with with they feel they you know and they, they quote unquote feel that they have a free will or they they seem to um to experience free will right but but I think you know I think we can address that one at least you know yeah. I'm, you know the, the first one is a little a bit harder but the the second one of this feeling I think we might be able to address it by saying well actually that's a mis you know that quote unquote feeling is simply a mistaken conclusion regarding what's happening you know for example people will claim well I'm consciously deciding something because I am aware of consciously deciding something. Whereas we know, well, actually, you know, it was the unconscious that made the decision and then made us conscious of what it decided. So, yeah. so, 
So with this experience, I think we can logically lead them to that, to, to the understanding that they actually don't really experience the, this free will. Yeah, I, th I think that could take us into a discussion about, about how this illusion, I guess, of free will kind of comes about in, in people. And, and I think part of it is taught, and, and another part is, is just intuitive. It's just like when, you, when you're choosing between Pepsi, Coke, and water, and, and you choose water, you feel like you could have chosen Pepsi or Coke, right? So you feel like you could have chosen those two things and that there were options and, and that if we went back in time to before you made the decision, we just feel like we could have actually chosen those other options, even though it's physically impossible, right? So right, but uh, the given trick, the determinism, that is. If we were to go back to ancient Greece and ask them that question, right? You know, back then... Uh, before a certain time, they had words for fate and for destiny, and right. they didn't have words for free will. So, like, back then, I think, you know, ask them the same question, and then they would say, oh, yeah, I feel like, you know, the fates are making me do this. Right, right. So so it, part of it is taught, and I think I think generationally things can change. Like, I think if, if we, if we had start a structure here of, of changing people's minds on this, and maybe the next generation will will teach their young in the beginning that that what you know these things are just an illusion or and and they won't feel it the same way and they'll have a different perception i guess of how you know how their decisions are actually being made yeah and another thing that's important for example as george i think it's episode five of his tv show and book um like People experience a will. They don't experience a free will. They're just experiencing a will. They're experiencing their desires, basically. Right. And, and, and they're falsely calling that free will when it's not the same thing. Yeah, or, or, they're, they're, yeah, or, or they're contriving ideas about what the word freedom means. You know, which, that, this is what compatibilists tend to do. They kind of redefine uh, how, how people use free will. You know, they try to change the word free will to mean something that is compatible with determinism, um, but they do that at the expense of what people actually like Marvin on Twitter. Believe. Yeah, like Marvin on Twitter. <laughs> but yeah. uh, all right, so so the emotional barrier is, I guess, purely emotional. They don't like the prospect of not having free will. the The claim of of they experience free will. I think that would fall under a logical, just as, as, as much a, of an illogical conclusion as the, the, the inability to understand that both causality and a causality are free, free will, right? So I think that that's kind of like a logical argument that they're making um, mistakenly for free will. But are there any others? It's, it's like, you know, um, and, and naturally the, the fact that they're taught, you know, either to believe in free will or not, um, but is, is there is there like um, a third barrier that that's outside of the domain of logic? Because I, I I'm, and I'm I'm guessing I'm just saying like you know if somebody's taught you know to um, that that actually could fall under logic also, yeah. but the mechanism is teaching you know they're they're being taught incorrectly and they don't you know realize it. Um, it I mean so like. Are we left then with the only non-logical barrier to people accepting free will is simply that they're not comfortable with it. They're not 
emotionally comfortable, you know, with being, you know, the equivalent of, of puppets or robots. Yeah, for for the common layperson, I think I think you're right. I think that those are the those are the main barriers. Um, for compatibilists and, and certain people, the they they're they are afraid that if we tell people that there's free will or there's no free will, that it's going to have bad consequences. So, so I, they, I think a lot of uh, compatibilists tend to nav, uh, navigate towards compatibilism because they don't want to tell people the truth about their uh, about the lack of free will that they don't have. Right, but, but uh, because because they're. They're, well, they're afraid. So they're, they're, those people are afraid of the consequences of telling people that they don't have free will. So that's another, I guess, another a, a secondary barrier. But that, that that has to do with more philosophical compatibilists. Whereas the, for the layperson, I think the barriers are uh, are emotional. They 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 don't like the idea of not being in control. They don't they they have a ego. It's egoism. So they have this idea that. That if they're not in control, then you know they can't take pride in what they do. They you know they lose a lot of their ego. Uh, you know, people are egoistic people. <laughs> so yeah, I think there are many things to it. I mean, there's so many different objections and emotional problems people have that prevent them from accepting the logic on its own. And which is, of course, another example of how they can't even be free of their own emotions. They can't make a choice free of their emotions that they have. And people and these are common emotions that people have. That's right. what's so bizarre. I mean, the, the lack of choice or free choice, whatever you call it, becomes more apparent the more you understand people and their emotional biases. Right. 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 So now with emotions, you have like. Um, emotions directly preventing most people from logically understanding why they don't have a free will. And trick, trick, if I understand you correctly, you're saying the case with compatibilists is or some that, compatibilists anyway. Not right, all, right, but. yeah, because some would, but um, you're right, all right, right, the, the like the free will illusionists. Yeah, like especially Lansky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that they'll 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 they're they're basically they their emotions aren't preventing them from understanding that they don't have, they don't have free will. Their emotions are preventing them from communicating this knowledge to the world or, or believing that this is a, um, a useful knowledge to, to communicate. Right. Yeah, so so take Daniel Dennett for example. He he redefines free will into his compatibilistic version, but he's he's talked about videos about where um, people are telling other people that they don't have free will, and then those those other people are going out and and you know committing these atrocious crimes and things like that. So he's so he's, so he's using these scare tactics that by saying that if we tell people that they don't have free will, this is what's going to happen. And then he's basing it on, on the, the you know those those stupid studies like the the schooler uh, study and things like that. But but you know what's funny about those studies, even though they're false and totally flawed in tons of ways, um, they reveal a person who says that that you tell people that they don't have free will and then they're gonna go and kill and rape everyone. 
if that even if that were true that would show that people didn't have libertarian free will so to be a compatibilist or an illusionist in that sense you have to basically be rejecting the kind of free will that all of us on this podcast are already rejecting yeah and like yeah, i said most most compatibilists most compatibilists agree that we don't they don't we don't have the free will that we're talking about <laughs> so but they'll re redefine free will into uh, a compatible notion so, so really the only different disagreement that we have with compatibilists is one of semantics. That's it, of, of how they define different terms versus how we define terms. And we kind of argue back and forth regarding how we should be defining terms because of the dangers of not and things like that. Like if we uh, just ignore the idea that people don't have free will by changing the semantic up, that causes problems. And, confusions and people think that they still have the free will that the, the bad free will that we're talking about so so it causes all these problems so so that's the main difference between compatibilists and and incompatibilists such as us uh, we're we're against what's called the libertarian notions of free will which is is the incoherent varieties that uh, the common lay people you know the majority of people actually feel that they possess or, or are, are are taught to believe that they possess. So. Yeah. And do, do we do we believe that do we believe that our puppet analogy uh, successfully addresses that? In other words, like not relying on the term free will, but relying on the term fundamental control. In other words, like if we say that, like you know, forget about the term free will. We human beings have no more fundamental control over what we do then a puppet has fundamental control over what the puppet does. Is that a way, you, do we think, to get them to concede that point? And so forget about the, the term free will. This is about like, you know, we can start writing articles about like fundamental control. Yeah, I mean, uh, things like that. I, I think there's, there's ways around um, the semantic disagreements, I guess. And I actually, I have a post tomorrow that's going to go up on my blog that's uh, about compatibilism a little bit that, that, that addresses how, how free will skeptics can work with compatibilists and, and, you know, to have this discussion without invoking certain terms and things like that. But Speaking of which, Trick, listen, they, um, Daily Coast shut me down. They, I mean, I, I made the mistake of like posting four, not completely, but I posted uh, four free will articles during 24 hours and like they have this rule that i know of that if people flag your tip jar three in one day then you get like banned for like five days in other words i'm not uh, i think i can start posting again but i, um, I the haven't next had time the... they, next time they do that i'll be banned for 30 days so what i'm trying uh, to say is like you might want to like you you've got a lot of posts like if, I know if you, I I kept saying uh, I'm gonna go on that thing but then I I just didn't have the time it's like Chuck, you, I, you know what you might just want to do this is what I'm resorting you I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of like um, saying to myself the people who who write the comments they're not very bright they're just not and and we're probably not gonna convince them and we're probably wasting time you know trying so it yeah. might just be good a good idea to post the article not even comment just like you know just yeah, kind of like yeah. use coast as an advertising thing yeah yeah no i just said i hadn't had the time to get it i, I wanted to to help you guys out on that but i just didn't have the time i 
No, but what I, I'm suggesting to you, Trick, is like, you know, for example, the article you're posting tomorrow, you know, cross-post it on, on Daily Coast and don't even bother commenting. Yeah, it doesn't really, well, I don't know. It doesn't really relate to anything on Daily Coast, <laughs> to tell you the truth. It but. does. I mean, if, link it to the, the first um, article in my series, how I link yeah. like, like free will belief to the, I mean, this is a conservative ideology. This is like Horatio Algers. You know, if Horatio Alders can pull himself up from his bootstraps, anyone can. You know, like, this is, this is, God, yeah. 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 Guys, I got to go soon. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. We kind of went off a topic, actually, on our, on our podcast. Well, here, so get, yeah, but. Get, this, this get a few all, different pop tops. Yeah. This has all been really good, though, guys, because I, I agree with the logic that's been presented in this episode about how we don't have ultimate control. But I do think we will have to go through the emotional side of things and why people don't get it some more in the future. But I'm done for tonight. How about you guys? Yeah, well, I'm, not, I'm cooked. <laughs> All right. Well, you've been listening to Free Will, Science, and Religion with Chandler Klebs, George Ortega, Jamie Soden, and Trick Slattery. And we've been talking about the laws of nature controlling everything. And humans don't have any control or at least ultimate control as trick says it um yeah, <laughs> yeah so even though the logic is strong some people have certain emotional reasons why they can't accept their lack of free will they don't want to feel like a puppet even though they are but um we will continue these types of discussions in future podcasts thank you for listening and goodbye <laughs>